Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and I am grateful for you and glad you're joining me on the show here on the Bible in Life. Our goal is to provide what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology, Bible teaching that is in everyday dress, that speaks the language of everyday life so that you and I can follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. So thanks for tuning in, and if you're a new listener, welcome. If you've been listening for a while and you've benefited from from this show, then um, my encouragement to you would be to share it with your friends and maybe even rate and review the podcast on your podcast app so that more people can find the show too. You know, in my own personal Bible reading this morning, I was uh, just reflecting on uh, Psalm 70. There's a line in the midst of Psalm 70 that reminded me how important it is that we vocalize, we say out loud our our praise to God, our appreciation and our affection and our admiration for God, our gladness in what God has done for us and who God is. And that line shows up in Psalm 70 verses Uh, Verse 4, it says, May all who seek you rejoice in you and be glad in you. And may those who love your salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. And as I was reading through that this morning, I just took some time to express my joy in God, express the things I'm glad for about God and his presence in my life and the things he's done and vocalize my affection and my appreciation. And it just reminded me, how important that is. And in fact, in Psalm 70, the psalmist is in the midst of a difficult season of life. He's distressed, he's needy, he's seeking the Lord for help. But right in the middle of all that, he has that incredible sentence that reminds us how important it is, whether things are good or things are hard, to rejoice in the Lord and to be glad in him and to state that, to express that, to vocalize that out loud. So I was reflecting on that this morning. Just thought I would take a minute to share that with you before we jump into uh, the content of this episode because it was so encouraging to me. We have been in a series over the last handful of weeks here on the podcast where we've been really wrestling with the tension that we experience in our life in the present time. All people, I think, experience this tension between, man, a lot of good things and then some things that aren't so good, being really happy and having some things that just make life rich and good, but at the other time having things that are frustrating or hard or discouraging. And we all experience that. And as followers of Jesus, it's no different for us. We, we experience that as well. So we began this series by talking about where we're at on the map of God's purposes and plans. We titled that episode, You Are Here. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would encourage you to go back and check that out, just because it sets the context for the last five or six episodes we've been exploring, where we live between the overlap of the ages. And so we have this tension between having, as Paul says, so many spiritual blessings, and yet also, at the same time, not having everything that God has planned for us, right? We we live in this tension because the, the age to come, the life of heaven, eternal life itself, has broken into the present evil age, the old age that is passing away. And so those two ages overlap. And as a result, we experience this tension between 
the now and the not yet, the things, the blessings of redemption and salvation and the goodness of God and all of that that we experience now. And yet at the same time, we're, we're experiencing all of that in a world that's not all it's supposed to be yet. And so we have this struggle and this tension. So in this episode, which will be the final episode in this series, I want to look at our perspective and our approach to life as we live during this overlap of the ages. What perspective shapes our life? What should our approach to life be in view of the tension between the joys and the sorrows, the blessings and the hardship that's just so normal right now during the overlap of the ages? And all of this revolves around hope. Hope According to the authors of the New Testament, hope is one of the major engines that drives our life as followers of Jesus. And so this climactic episode in this series is really going to revolve around the same tension, but how hope really is supposed to drive our life in the midst of that. And so Romans chapter 8 verses 24 and 25 says this, for... In hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, through perseverance we wait eagerly for it. And so this speaks to that tension. We have hope, but we don't see it yet, so we wait for it, and we do so with perseverance. That's kind of the the logic of this sentence or these couple sentences here in Romans 8, 24 and 25. So let's just uh, kind of parse it out a little bit and some of the things he says. Notice he says, for in hope we have been saved. We have been saved. Notice the tense of that. It's not we will be saved, although the Bible does speak of salvation in the future at times. It's not even just we were saved at some point in the past. It's we have been saved. And that tense speaks to an accomplished fact that has continuing effects, continuing results here in the present time and on into the future. So we were saved in the past, but we're still experiencing the benefits and the blessings of that salvation in the here and now. We are those people who have already been saved. That's important. We have been saved. We're saved people if we're in Christ. But he says, we have been saved in hope. For in hope we have been saved, right? So we've been saved in hope, which means we don't have it all yet. That's why he says, hope that is seen is not hope. If you've already seen your hope realized, if you've already gained everything that you were hoping for, then you don't have hope anymore, right? So hope implies necessarily that you haven't received everything yet. For, as he says, who already hopes for what he sees, what he has. That's just not what hope is. And so to be saved in hope means we don't have everything yet. And that's what we've been exploring on this series over the last few episodes is that we have a lot of the blessings of redemption and salvation, but we don't have them all yet. So we're saved in hope. And that means, this is important, we're assured to receive it later. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. 
It's not, I sure hope it turns out okay. That's not biblical hope. Um, that may be the way in English sometimes we use the word, man, I sure hope it works out. And what we mean by, I'm kind of wishing it will. I don't know if it will. Man, it would be nice if it does, but I don't really know, right? That's often how we use the English word hope. But in the Bible, the word hope is actually much stronger than that. In some regards, you could almost translate it as an expectation. It's something that you're certain of. It's something that you're guaranteed. And in fact, as followers of Jesus, it's not just the word itself that speaks to that guarantee. It's, it's the fact that we already have the down payment for our hope in the person of the Holy Spirit who's come to live for us. That's the guarantee of our hope. That's the, the sign and the seal, the down payment that we're going to receive everything else that's going to come later. And so biblical hope really refers to a confident expectation of a future event that we anticipate with certainty is going to happen. That is hope in the Bible. And so to be saved in hope doesn't mean, oh, I'm sure hoping it turns out someday. No, it means we know there's a new heavens and new earth coming. We know all wrongs will be righted. We know that God will make all things 100% completely new. We know that we, we are only experiencing part of what God has promised for his people, not everything that he has promised. We know that God is going to restore all things. We know that. We're assured of that because Jesus rose from the dead. Death is already a defeated enemy. So all the little deaths we experience in life and the big death we experience at the end of life, all of that is defeated in and through the resurrection of Jesus. And now God is already in the process of making all things new. He just hasn't finished the job yet. But we know that it is a future factual event that we uh, are confident is going to happen. We have a confident expectation in it. That's biblical hope. So we are those people that have been saved and we have been saved with this complete confident expectation in what God's going to do for us. And so uh, since we hope for what we do not see, he says, through perseverance, catch this last line, we wait for it eagerly. This is really our perspective. We live with eager anticipation of all the rest of the good stuff that God is going to do for us. We are saved people, delivered out of the present evil age, delivered out of this kingdom of darkness that's all around us, delivered from uh, the dominion of sin and death. We have been delivered from all of that because of what God has done in Jesus. And we know that God is going to do uh, abundantly more than we could ask or imagine in Jesus. We know that there's still more goodness to come. We know that someday the story's going to end with a great happily ever after. And in the meantime, in the present time, um, while we're experiencing a mixture of happily ever afters combined with discouraging moments and hardships, we, we live eagerly waiting for, with great anticipation, that, that great and glorious future. And so this picture of looking forward, watching for it, kind of leaning into it with a smile on our face. One of my favorite images of that is like the excitement of 
uh, little children when something they're waiting for something good to happen. Like my kids, when they were little, uh, you know, certain friends were coming over. They would be sitting on their knees on the couch, looking out the window, you know, moving the blinds up, watching. Are they here yet? Are they here yet? Uh, looking forward to it. And they would get up and they would, you know, they would have plans. They'd be making plans and getting things ready. They'd go back and look out the window, all excited for them to come. And that's sort of the image that we have here with this, we wait for it eagerly. Um, it's not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting, according to the Apostle Paul, if you read all of Romans 8. But it's an active waiting with anticipation and excitement for the hope that's to be revealed to us. So that's our perspective. That's the way we look at life in the meantime, in the here and the now, between the tension and the now and the not yet. We, we, Our perspective is hope, real hope with anticipation. And then what's our approach to life because of that? Because this great hope that we can hardly wait for, how does that shape and drive our life? And how does that affect the way we live? Well, it's that word right before we eagerly wait for it, perseverance perseverance. The Greek word there is hupomone. And that idea of hupomone is like staying put under pressure. When things are weighing down on you, when things are pressing in on you, you have the capacity and the ability to stay put, uh, to stay faithful, to stay rooted in Christ. That's the idea of hupomone. It's this idea of to even keep pressing on, to keep uh, your eyes on the goal, to not lose sight of what God is going to do. And so we keep moving forward and we keep doing so with eager anticipation. We keep looking forward to what God is going to bring to us in Christ. And we do so repeatedly and steadfastly, even when life is hard. It's this perspective and this approach uh, this hope and perseverance that enables the Apostle Paul to say what he does in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and following, the Apostle Paul writes this about his own ministry. And by extension, then, he invites us to, to really view our life the same way. So 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10, he says, We're afflicted in every way, but, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not despairing. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We're always carrying around in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. What enables Paul to, to, to have that approach to life as he serves Jesus? It's this, this hope and this endurance then that leads from it. Why, for example, is he not despairing, even though at times he's perplexed and confused? Because he has hope. Why is it that he's afflicted in every way, but not crushed? Because he's looking forward to what God's going to do in the future when God's going to make all things new and set everything right. So he has this hope that enables him to go about life with endurance and not just grin and bear it sort of endurance, but the kind of endurance that... Uh, is full of joy and eager anticipation so that he is not uh, despairing, not destroyed. He knows he's not abandoned. And he describes it in verse 10 as, 
in a sense, always embodying the very dying of Jesus so that he can also embody the resurrection life of Jesus. Like that's the tension we live in. We live in a world where things aren't right yet, the dying of Jesus. And yet at the same time, we live in a world where new life has already broken into the here and now, the resurrection of Jesus. And both of those we embody as followers of Jesus. And therefore, at the end of this paragraph in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer person is decaying, our inner person is being renewed day by day for our momentary light affliction. Notice that as I mean, afflicted in every way, he said in verse 8. Now it's momentary and light affliction. Well, that's producing for us an eternal weight of glory that's far beyond all comparison. What you need to picture when you hear those words of Paul is a balance scale, right? Like where you put whatever it is you're purchasing on one side of the scale, and then you put the weights on the other end of the scale so that you can, uh, you know, see, oh, so you're buying, you know, two pounds of meat or whatever it is. So it's a balance scale. But what he says is on one side, we have our afflictions. On the other side, we have the the glory that God is preparing for us in our hope. And he says, actually, when you stack the glory onto the, the other side of the scale, man, it's just so weighty. It's so heavy that it almost throws the affliction off the scale because it just, boom, drops with so much weight that our affliction is just momentary and light compared to the eternal weight of glory that God is preparing for us. And so we go about life not looking at the things that are seen because those things are temporal, he says. They're temporary. They're not lasting. But we focus our gaze on what is eternal, the things that are going to last forever and ever. And that shapes our life in the here and now. And so our approach to life in the midst of this tension that we live in is one of, eternal optimism, not just because we're optimists, not just because we believe there's a silver lining behind every dark cloud or whatever sort of thing you might say. It's eternal optimism because Jesus has risen from the dead. The spirit has been poured out. We know that we've already experienced the beginnings of the age to come, and we're just waiting for the culmination and the renewal of all things that God is working out in and through Christ and the spirit. And we're a part of that now. So all that stuff that we talked about in the, the previous episodes in this series is infused with power and strength and joy and gladness because of the hope that we have. We are those people that have been saved in hope. And that shapes our whole life here in the meantime. We live as saved people. We live um, as hopeful people. We live with eager anticipation, even while we're having to endure difficulty and hardship and discouragement here in the meantime. And so we are saved in hope, and that's how we live during the overlap of the ages. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. So grateful for you. So glad you're here. And thanks to each and every one of you who supports the show the Bible in Life is a crowd-funded Bible teaching effort. It includes here this podcast. It includes the listener's commentary, my other podcasts, and it's all made possible 
by the generosity of uh, faithful followers of Jesus who believe in the, the mission and the value that this uh, ministry provides. So thanks to those of you who give already. And if you would like to join the team of supporters, you can do so at the link down in the notes below. Or you could just go to johnwhitaker.net slash give, johnwhitaker.net slash give, and you can set up a one-time or monthly donation right there. All right, God bless you guys. I pray you have a wonderful week in Jesus. I look forward to talking to you again next week.